welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Sam Master is here, and you still have not taken off your shoes. This is the anti-cool. And so. we are on episode um, four. four. Yeah. All right, we're going to say four. Yeah, I, I checked. We're on episode four. Um, we're going to try to run through a lot today. Hopefully, we can get to everybody. We got UFC to cover, Invicta FC to cover, and a little, little smidgen of Bellator to cover. Hopefully, we can get to around the end. Um, so, I guess we'll just jump right into it. So this UFC card, I was dreading watching this card. And actually the way my day played out, it made it even worse because <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't watch a lot of football, but no. playoff playoff football came on that day. So before this card started, I got a chance to watch my Cowboys lose by field goal. So I was already in bad spirits. And I was like, man, I got to go home. And now I got to watch BJ Penn possibly get annihilated. And I have to work the next morning, so I'm going to lose about five hours of sleep. But, you know, the the things I do for the love of the sport. <laughs> so I stayed up, lost sleep. I did watch this uh, Penn and Rodriguez fight. And what, what can I say? I want to draw. I want to try to be optimistic. I want to draw some positives. I'll say when the fight first started. The least I could say was I was happy that BJ did not come out and that. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw he was in a regular fighting stance, I was like, okay, maybe this won't be as bad <laughs> as I think it will. And okay, okay, so um, I don't know if this is true, but apparently all that footage from BJ training at Jackson's was from um. Is when he was training for the Ricardo Lamas fight in the Philippines. Oh man! Because I know he worked with um, Michael Bisping's coach. Mm. Coach like taught him how to stay above his feet, stay his feet under him, and build with a little bit more power. Mm. I want to say Jason Cordero. He got back with him. Or oh god! But um. Yeah, like, he didn't go do the thing where he was standing on his tippy toes. Yeah, no, no bunny hopping. No, <laughs> no, no bunny hopping. But unfortunately, that was. That's like where the yeah. That's where the good things end. Yeah, and I mean, it's bad when you know a fight. Is, I mean, in in MMA in general, no no fights are really certainties. But this was one of those fights where there was a ninety nine point nine nine percent chance. You knew what the outcome was going to be, but even watching it, it still felt like I shouldn't be watching this. Like this just. I just like to point out that BJ Penn was once was once the welterweight champion, and right. he 
absolutely tiny. He did. He looked really like I don't want to say old, but for lack of a better word, I guess he kind of did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's old. Yeah, he, he looked happened. every bit of thirty. Was like thirty-eight. I think he's like thirty-five, thirty-six. Well, but, he, like, but and but that's not counting all the like beatings. They, oh, he's thirty-eight. Yeah, he's he looked every bit of of thirty-eight, and it just looked like because Yair, if for anybody who didn't catch the fight. Pretty much, Yair just brutalized him with kicks, just nonstop barrage of just nasty kick after nasty kick. Every now and again, BJ would throw something. I think he he might have connected a few times. Nothing really too so significant. Yeah. yeah, and then and the by the end of the first round, you, I was kind of hoping the fight would be over because by the end of the first, I was like, I just I don't want to watch this anymore. And then the second round starts, and it gets even worse. And eventually, Yair front kicks him. And I think he followed the front with a right hook. It was a right hook or a left. So he do um, a, I want to say, a front kick into a um, a shifting right hand. And so as he was throwing the right kick, as his foot was coming down, he threw the right hand, and it sent BJ. Yeah. He just sent him out. Yeah, just floored him. And then he followed with ground and pound, which I, I didn't really need to see. But, you know, you got to keep fighting until the ref tells you to stop, which he did. And <laughs> that was that, to be honest. There's not much to talk about <laughs> about that fight. We could talk about how, well, not the fight, but we could talk about how amazing an athlete Yair Rodriguez is. Yeah, this guy. And I don't, it's kind of hard to judge because he was fighting BJ. Like, my yeah. one knock on Yair has been, I don't, as athletic and as flashy as he is, I don't think his hands are that great. No, they're, they're not. Yeah, they're, they're a bit sloppy. They do look like they're they're getting better. But then I'm like, he's fighting BJ, so I don't, are they like, really? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. What type of bar test is that? But, yeah, so it's, it's I, I'll probably give him the benefit of the doubt, though. I mean, he's a young dude. I'm pretty sure he's diligently working on his craft. And... No matter that BJ's 38, everybody wants to get that one veteran win on their record. So Yeah, yeah. Well, like, to BJ's credit, uh, and this is partly because the US, he's such a big name, the UFC doesn't match him up with, like, middle-of-the-road guys, but, like, he hasn't won a, fu- he hasn't won a fight since Matt Hughes, right? Yep, that was his, I think and, that was his last and, one. And even before that, he, had been, he was, you know, the champion, so he was only fighting, you know, Frankie Edgars and Diego Sanchez's. Right. But like since since that fight, he since beating Matthews, he's fought John Fitch when John Fitch was still the number two guy in the division, right. Roy McDonald and Frankie Edgar. So you know he he might have, and he looked he was competitive against Diaz and he fought Fitch to a draw. Right. So you know he's progressively been looking worse, but it's also been against top competition. Yeah. Yeah. Which so, is, you know, yeah. So you know there's reason to believe uh, like. Heading into that fight, that uh, you know that not, that point zero zero one percent is Jerry Rodriguez goes for one of, uh, like a spinning back kick trips and BJ just takes his back and locks on rear naked choke or something crazy like that. Yeah, but and at least he he tried to clinch with Yair a couple of yeah. times. Yeah, it's just Yair's twice his size, twice as strong, and twice as athletic. Yeah, but um, no, I don't feel bad about it. 
I can't say the same. (laughs) What separates this from people like Big Nog and like um, Roy Jones, I guess, is that the narrative that like us as fans, the media, and BJ himself has pushed is that he doesn't he he was never a hard worker. He didn't train all that hard, and so I don't feel bad now that he's losing. And you know what I mean, like. Yeah, because you figure if you don't put in the work, I'm not going to say you deserve it, but you kind of get what's coming to you. How much did you really want it? And how much did you really just want to be, you know, the man? Right. And I think, too... I'll never question whether Big Nog put in the work, because this is a guy guy who was, you know, who was, you know, basically crippled. He was a guy who had to get, like, two-hour massages just to train jujitsu for camp daily. So, that's not, it was never really a question. That's why I feel bad for him and not BJ. No, I didn't watch the, uh, I didn't watch any post-fight anything. Did he say anything that, like, he's officially done, or? I, I did not even, uh, I'll be honest with you, I fell asleep, um, after the, uh, second round of Hell Lows on, so I had to catch up. Oh, okay. And I, I didn't see it. I didn't see anything from that so okay. Okay. Uh, I, saw, I saw on twitter that uh, i guess like fighters had reached out to him about retiring but i haven't heard anything anything from him yet but i would hope that's the i, next I step. would hope that in the bj penn spirit he would scream he would grab the mic and scream you want to know whether i'm t- retiring or not go to bjpenn.com so. <laughs> actually i think after the fight i think he just walked out because they didn't even interview him uh, yeah he went straight to the crowd he gave a few handshakes and then he was out yeah, good. You know, not everybody needs to hop on the mic. Yeah. And, and every time he does, was, yeah. So where does uh Yair go from here? I mean, this win, I feel like it doesn't really doesn't it, catapult you anywhere. Nah, it's not, this win was basically to get put him in the cage with a name on Super Bowl, uh, not Super Bowl, NFL playoff weekend when they know they're going to have that huge ratings boost on FS1. Right. Which, because, um, I read they got a million, I think it peaked at a million, I think. Uh, really? That's yeah, it? hold on. Let me, um, uh, let me check Jason Floyd's Twitter. I've researched. I'm pretty sure I saw an article that said this, the event peaked at like a little over a million. That would be really down from um, 1.6 million. Hmm. That's really down from the last two, and but the last two were also a title fight between Cruz and Dillashaw and Conor McGregor. Yeah, I was gonna say so. this card, at least by on paper, wasn't you know it was weren't a lot of stars. There weren't a ton of big names that like a casual yeah. person would probably know or even recognize. There weren't even a lot, there wasn't even a lot there if you're like just you know a, I was like a casual hardcore MMA fan I guess yeah like outside like, of the like, main card like if you recognize these names you're like you might recognize these names but you're not exactly excited to see them like right <laughs> I, I can I can understand not why uh, not caring if um uh, Walt Harris or Frankie Signs is fighting like I, right. I, I I care but I understand if somebody who follows the sport doesn't yeah. So who's who's a good um good matchup for Yair uh, for Yair next? Um, Cub. Cub I was or... thinking the same thing earlier. 
Everybody else is coming off a loss. Pettis is out the division. Stevens lost. Oliveira lost. Bermuda's is scheduled with um, the Korean Zombie. Maybe Brian Ortega, but I don't see the point of having two young guys face off against one another. Yeah, Maybe I don't. They have top ten wins. Yeah, I don't like when the UFC does stuff like that either. Let the let the prospects run their own course, or if you want to put them together to fight, let it be like a title contender, anything like that. That's cool, but. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Cub. I think everybody wins in that situation. We probably get not not a repeat of Cub and uh, Korean Superboy, but I'm pretty it, sure there'll be blood. It's, like, here's the thing with Yair: when I expect him to either get to a title shot and lose, and then come back stronger, or get blown out, but like, or get blown out by like a top five fighter, and then come back stronger. Yeah, because. Right now, he really just goes in the cage and does Yair Rodriguez things. There's no tact or um, like real thought put into, I guess, his approach. Because he doesn't need. Because he doesn't need. He's such a brilliant athlete and such a great kicker that he doesn't really need one. Right. Uh, but uh, um, but when he loses, I expect him to just like kind of fall flat on his face. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think. I could see him making it to like a title contender fight and he come up short. Yeah. Because that's... somebody's going to expose. I think somebody, and maybe it would be Cub, somebody I think might expose the last. So I'm hoping, I'm doing like boxing a... skills, if they can manage to not get their head kicked off. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like Cub Swanson in his last fight showed that he understood how to take, uh, he understood, even though he's not great at it, he understood how to take away space from somebody who needs it. Right. Like, and KZ's, uh, not KZ, Doho Choi is very good at that, at, at dis- disincentivizing people from trying to close distance on him. Right, because he can just take your head off with one. And Cub has a chin. He can yeah. take He can take a shot. Yeah, and, he proved that in his last fight. Yeah, he can take one, and he can get one. But, yeah, I, I guess nothing. If, we're going, if we have to see BJ Penn fight again... Who would you like to see him fight? Oh, God. Uh, hmm. Is there anybody else who's... Alright, this is 145. Uh, I say Diego Sanchez. Just run it back. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess I wouldn't mind seeing that. Even though, to be honest, at this point in their careers, I probably would have Diego winning. But... Yeah, I guess I wouldn't be too mad at that. But to be honest, I'm hoping I'm hoping that conversation doesn't come up. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I just don't. I don't like seeing even if there are people I'm not huge fans of. I just don't like seeing people that were once like just great just take such a fall from grace. It's especially bad when it comes to the fight sports. Yeah, because you just gotta physically see them just. Like when, Jordan, like when Jordan came back, it was sad, but he was still scoring, like, what, 20 points a game or something? Right. Yeah, so there was still, like, oh, he has a little something left. But with fighting, it's just, like, like you, when just... you get When you're outmatched, you are outmatched. And then I feel bad, too, because, like, people, people who are just now, like, getting into the sport, <laughs> this is their, like, maybe their first initial exposure to BJ. And they'll just think of him as, like, oh, it's this old flabby guy who... <laughs> got got murdered at a main event. Yeah. When, but you look at like his entire career, and it's like, 
this dude was one of the all-time, I mean, if he would have trained more, I think he probably would have even cemented himself further, but even just now with his resume, all-time great, not even a, not even a question. Yep. But, yeah, that's that fight. Uh, I don't want to linger on, on that main event for too long, but, um, co-main event, which was another fight I was really interested to see when I heard this. Uh, Joe Lozon and Marcin Held. And anytime somebody from another organization comes over, I just have a bias to root for them for some reason. I like seeing people come from other organizations and just mess things up and yeah, wreck shop. <laughs> we like the chaos. That's, that's why I miss Strike Force. Right, miss, yeah. Miss the conversation. You missed that. And. Like, I didn't think Held was going to come over and like be champ or anything, but I was thinking he'll he'll get to get he'll ring together a a few wins, but unfortunately he is now 0 and 2 and this fight was uh controversial to some people. Split decision went to Lozon. Um how did you score? Joe it? Right, including Joe Lozon. I was going to say, we could say how we score it, but even Lozon, who won, said that he lost, so... Um... I... I'm not angry at either one of these guys winning this fight, but if I was a judge, I'd probably have given it to Lozon, too. That's just really how I see it. Just, you know, the more definitive round went... He uh, won the most definitive round in the fight, and he did the most... Like, I can't remember how I scored, like, round by round. Yeah. But I just remember later in the fight, to me it seemed like, well, Held was kind of getting his game plan off a little more. He was getting his takedowns in. Yeah. He didn't really inflict, I any guess, any game. major, major damage, which I guess you could probably say that's the reason maybe the judges didn't didn't see it go his way. I thought he did enough to win. I was actually surprised that, uh, you know, this is actually an um, interesting point. Did had, I know the rules have changed. ACB, new rules, new defi- definition of a ground opponent, etc. Yeah. Did they score... They, did they change judging criteria to be about who inflicts the more... Um, I think they did. I think this was... They, they changed judging criteria to be who does the more... Who, who commits the more meaningful offense. Because I remember there being controversy about them be, uh, saying uh, about them saying what counts as meaningful offense or damage or whatever. And I believe uh, that was a conversation they had. Yeah, see, I would have to look that up, but if that is the case, then yeah, I could see why under that new rule set that you would have given it to Lozon. Though, like, I was surprised seeing how well, I don't say well, but I guess at least say competent at best that Held was on his feet because when this fight got announced, I was thinking either one or two things. Held will somehow eke out a decision, or to be honest, I thought Lozon might he might put him to sleep. Yeah. And held held his own on the feet. Like I said, didn't land anything too too crazy, but like he did enough to use his hands to set up his takedowns. Mm-hmm. And, and he set that first round where he just got yeah it. set the first round. Yeah, the first round definitely went to Lozon. The first round, he also got his crap being in. Yeah. But the second round, second, I thought the second and third, he kind of got his feet under him better. But I'm pretty sure they'll uh, they'll bring Held back. I'm pretty sure. I hope they do. 
I think Marcin Held just shows us um, how important it is to be able to hurt people at 155. Like, there, like I don't think tech, uh, technically Marcin Held's like that inferior of a fighter to Joe Lozon. Like Lozon's whole thing has just been he's like he's just a really dangerous guy. Right. He can fit. He can finish a fight anywhere. And even though he's not defensively sound anywhere, he's not like his his arsenal runs deep. But he doesn't exactly have the best way of setting that up. He's still a guy who could light you up. He's still a guy who could sub you, and that's uh, and he can do it. You know, basically anywhere. And Held has a little bit of that in him, in that he's a leg lock specialist, but. There's a reason that uh, your English name is, you know, Paul Harris, that you, that glass specialists don't really work at the highest levels. Yeah, and Lozon isn't a slouch on the ground either. In fact, yeah. <laughs> I kind of felt like Lozon, in in some ways, is like a 2.0 version of Held. Like, I felt like he's slightly better. Well, I guess the ground game is kind of, they, they kind of even out. Like, this really goes to show, like, especially with guys coming in, how... I want to say deep the UFC is in terms of like get, uh, preparing fighters for other fighters like um, Will Brooks someone who's fought Martin Hell who was supposed to come in and be this instant contender right. he goes out on uh, admittedly short notice and puts up a competent but uh, not especially star um, making performance against um Ross Pearson. Ross Pearson, yeah. And then his very next fight, uh, his opponent comes in overweight, obviously, by like a whole weight class. And he, I think he broke his rib in like the first round, but it it, it goes to show that you once you get a, a wider dearth of opponents, you, you, you're better prepared in the UFC than you are in something like Bellator. Yeah, like, I think how, you could. I no think you could make the argument. Yeah, I was gonna say I think you could make the argument that at least in the 155 division that the UFC's they're they're deep, like that that division. If any of the top, bottom 25 lightweights, uh, not bottom 25, if you take the top 50 lightweights and take the top bottom 25, they'd probably be fighting for the title in Bellator. Right, because for people who don't know who don't know, held he was a title. He fought for. Did he fight twice or once for the Belgian Bellator? I want to say he fought once. He fought, but he fought Michael Chandler. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that wasn't twice. a title fight. Okay. He, yeah. So technically, I guess you'd at least say he's fought championship cal or Bellator championship caliber opponents three times. Yeah. And we just saw Michael Chandler as a top, you know, ten, top five wait, 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 when he beat the crap out of Benson oh, Henderson. Oh god. Oh boy. <laughs> like Marcin Held is a good fighter. Yeah, that, he that's the is. point. But his game might not be suited for a place where, you know, like the UFC. I think unless he, yeah, he, he's gonna have to learn to deal. You have to deal more damage. It's not like because in Bellator he he could just grab you, take you down, and eventually one of your limbs is leaving. Yeah, like I, th- I think that's the thing. If you're a Bellator fighter and you come up in this system, your game is going to be a little bit more broken because you can get away with a little bit more. Right. 
But I'm pretty sure, hopefully, they'll they'll bring him back. And I was thinking also, too, with Lozon, like, this dude's been fighting for... Ever. Right, like, but even after he loses his fights, I'm like, is he... I don't think he's going to retire. I'm pretty sure, like, he'll be back. Like, I, I never know the night, like, is he ever going to quit? Like, he's just going to be one of those guys that just fights forever. Like, two years ago, he beat Michael Chiesa. Like, that's insane. Because, <laughs> like, he didn't just beat him. He stopped him. Right. And, like, it was, I think it was on a cut, but like, it was heading in that direction. And prior to that fight, he had gotten lit up by Jim Miller, Michael Ch- Johnson, and had his first decision in, like, maybe ever against Mac Danzig. Danzig. Like... He looked like he was on his way out, is my point. He was slowing down. He looked slower and stiff. And all of a sudden, he uh, he gets stoppage win over Michael Chiesa. He didn't look great against Ally Aquinta. Like, I think, he, yeah, he got beat, he got bullied around the cage. Then he stops Gomi. And then he gets ground out by um, Dunham. And then he stops Diego Sanchez. Like, Joe Lozon is just going to be an inconsistent fighter forever. He's only 32. Yeah, yeah but I'm like... He's also he, been fighting for 14 years. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like he, he's like been fighting since I've been watching this sport. Like, <laughs> he started... Yeah. Yeah, he, no, he started in 2002. Man, I was like, I was like 12. Yeah. He's like barely a teenager. Yeah, I'm looking at his record, and it's like win-loss, win-loss, <laughs> win-loss. Like, you can't get rid of him. He's not yeah. going anywhere. Yeah. And if you look at, like, the quality, like, he has high quality, just, like, if, if, if strength he, of schedule was a thing in MMA. He'd be up there for lightweights. Yeah, he's up there. Like, none of these are easy wins, and they're all pretty tough losses. Like, he he didn't really have any gimme fights. Nope. Not at all. So, I'm are not sure. Huh? Oh, I was going to ask, we got until, um, what's his name? Saunders McGee? Yeah. So another uh, controversial uh, split. Well, that no, that was a unanimous decision. Actually, that was not a split decision. Um, this was a pick'em fight for me when it got announced. I was slightly edging Court McGee, but I wasn't entirely sure. Mm-hmm. I thought Court. I didn't say would be able to not, like knock him out, but you know, Court has just a relentless pace. Like the dude's a machine when he fights. It's just. Yeah, I, I fully expected because Saunders is the type to go out there and put like a consistent attack on people. Yeah, I I, I kind of expected Court would just go out there and like shadow box his way to a win, like he did against Whitaker. Yeah, but um, admittedly, I did not pay close attention to this fight. Uh, it was a hard one to call, to be honest, because. I feel like the the eye test tells you court one. He landed he landed good shots. He he definitely pieced them up a few times. But Saunders had his moments and he landed a lot of body kicks. Mm-hmm. Like he landed some really hard and consistently like every round he was landing body kicks. But it was one of those fights where you feel like one guy's pushing the action more. So yeah. I guess, like, subconsciously, you like, oh, he probably won because he was... Because, like, if you ever watch, you know, listeners, if you watch a court fight, 
he just he's just moving forward. It's constant moving forward, and that didn't change in this fight. But it didn't. I guess for the judges, it didn't. It didn't it, give him a win. Yeah. I think he just needed. This is one of those fights where you need like that one big hit or that one big moment that can like swing the fight your way. And if you don't get that one big moment and you leave it up to the judges, you might end up on the short end of the stick. Mm-hmm. Ben Saunders' UFC career has been weird since he came back from Bellator. Like, did he, he got cut after losing to Patrick Cote. But I feel like he got cut before that. Yeah, he. this is like his third stint, I think. <laughs> I feel like most people don't get that many. And didn't he come into the UFC off of a loss? He got, yeah, he got knocked out by Douglas Lima. By, by Lima, yeah. Like and then, yo, yeah, and they both were bad. <laughs> both were bad. But I, I feel like in his third stint, he's. This, this, is, what we're gonna, this is what we're going to get out of him every time out. Like, so. He's made the best of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If Saunders has a, a consistent job for the next three years, just fighting mid-level talent at bet. Um, Welterweight. I'm fine with that. Yeah, there was an... Like, ben, give me Ben Saunders versus Tim Means. Give me Ben Saunders versus uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio. Like, I'm fine with those fights. I think him and Means would be a good... That's a good scrap. I probably would edge Means out, though. But I, I, I take Means. Yeah, I think I take Means. Means is one of those guys who, like, the first couple of times I saw him fight, I was like, this dude could be, like, not not like the next big thing, but I thought he would be higher, like just more noticeable than he is now. Especially since moving to welterweight. Yeah, like yeah. I feel like his level of talent compared to like where he's ranked and like where his career has gone, like I, I thought he would, he'd just be up there a little more. Uh, I the the year off because of the drug stint or the weird supplement stint. Uh, killed a lot of his momentum, but not the year off. He had like nine months or something. And then I guess, um, I don't know, we flew through this car kind of quick. There's not a lot of substance. Yeah. We spent like the first what, 20 minutes talking about BJ <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, to round out the main card, Sergio uh, Pettis and John Moraga. Um,. This is the best fight of Sergio Pettis' career. Yeah, I was gonna say he he was landing some some pretty mean hand, hands are looking good. Yep. He took a couple shots, but the hands are definitely looking better than. And he looked giant in there. Yeah, like he's. I, I forget that he's twenty three, but he's like right, filling like, out and everything. Like he he finally like hit his puberty stride. Yeah. <laughs> like he he's he's on like man mode now. Yeah. Oh, but- well, hopefully that means his chin is better. Uh, he's getting a little sturdier. Hopefully. It didn't look like he got, I don't think he got cracked this time. Like he got touched, but he didn't get cracked. Yeah, he ate, he ate a few good licks, but he he recovered good, and any time he got cracked, he he threw back and landed something harder. Yeah. Uh, the thing with Sergio is I think he's technically a better fighter than, like, Anthony. Yeah. I, I think he has all the little things Anthony doesn't with his boxing game. But he doesn't have any of the dynamism. 
Yeah, he doesn't have and, like And he doesn't have that dog that Anthony has where like if you hit him he will try to hit you back. Right. It's like all the all the small technical abilities are there, but there's nothing like there's still nothing that like pops out really. It's just That's like a, it's a, he, it's a he, solid guy, but he puts together like brilliant first rounds. I can't remember. Has there been a fight where he just hasn't looked good, like, just straight up miles better than his opponent in the first round? Nope, because even in the fights that he loses, like the, um, ah, not the Caceres fight. The Benoit fight? The Benoit fight. Dude, he was... <laughs> that fight still blows my mind. Like, it was absolutely just brutalizing the man. Yeah, like, and... he was wrecking him. And just, in the end, he gets caught, and it's just like, what... What happened? Yeah. And actually, you could say that with the... I don't remember the Caceres fight that much. He won the but... first round. I think I think I had him winning the first round. I think it was like a more even second round with Caceres like edging it out. And then he was coming back. Then Pettis came back in the third round. Went for like... I think he got... Oh, he got dropped in the second round. That's what happened. He came back in the third, was winning the round, shot for a takedown, and got choked out. Yep. But I say in this fight against Moraga though, he looked he looked really good. But you he, know what though? That bugs me. I always get excited when I see uh one twenty five do really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um then and I can't I feel like I shouldn't do this, but I like I have to. I instantly compare them to Mighty Mouse. And I'm like, how does he stack up? And yeah. as good as he looked, is is great as he looked against Moraga, I'm like, dude, I don't if he was a better finisher, like a round one Pettis against Mighty Mouse would be uh, an amazing fight. Right. Even even if he only has one fight to do it, or roam around to like try to really put it on him. But he's not a finisher. Like he dropped Moraga at the end of this round and came back in the second and arguably lost. Right. That round. So I think with him it's just a. Uh... It's just a youth, like I think just over time I think well I hope that he'll he'll get that like dog in because I mean yeah you got to keep in mind this dude's still twenty three right like it's like a college like freshman <laughs> like in considering how young he is he's gotten time is on his side like yeah. he's got all the time in the world to get better and I'm pretty sure eventually he'll I, I, he's still learning how to put together a complete fight uh, right that, like he looked. Better like this. When I say this is his best performance, I don't just mean that he battered the top ten opponent for like the better part of the first round. Like he closed out the fight pretty damn strong. Like he he didn't. Moraga's an opportunist, and he didn't give him any of the opportunities that he could use to capitalize and like get a submission. Right, and but, Moraga's a a vet. Like yeah. he's been around for a while, and yeah, Sergio held he held it down. Like he, and and then the times that it looked like he was in danger like he didn't panic or make any mistakes he got his feet back under him and he cracked back and he, yep. he cracked back a lot harder <laughs> it, it seemed like but yeah i guess um uh, who 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 do you think they should match him up against um dude, god uh let's see ray borg just not ray borg not Brandon Moreno. Um, Zach Makovsky? Is he coming off a loss or a win? or What's the deal with him? Uh, man, I feel like I haven't seen him fight in 
This is Ben uh, Dustin Ortiz. He fought at two oh six. He lost to Dustin Ortiz. I wouldn't mind a Makovsky fight. I think um, I think style wise that could be a tough fight because Makovsky's a grinder. Yeah, he's got the wrestling going for him. So, so either Makovsky or Ortiz. I think either one of those would be decent fights. Like the bottom half of um, flyweight right now is just basically guys who are. Who have momentum but don't have the wins, right? Like I think, uh, who did Ray Ward just beat? Oh man, um, wasn't the dude from Hawaii? Oh, uh, Lewis, yeah, he beat Smoker. Smoker, yeah. So him and Moreno are the only people with wins at the bottom of half of this list in the top fifteen, and they're both Lewis Smoker. So, God, I feel bad for Smoker. Borg's a beast, man. <laughs> Poor Borg is an animal. Like, but I mean, though, with Smoker, when you're in that division, if you can get together about two, three wins, you're right back up there. Yeah. So, but, and he's a young dude, too. But I think the, the issue with Smoker, and we can compare him to, like, Pettis, is um, Smoker's just slow. Like, I'm sorry, but, like... <laughs> If you're in a division where you are, where everybody's like a really fast switch athlete, like everybody's either Ray Borg, Demetrius Johnson, or Joseph Benavides, or freaking Henry Sudo or Kyojo Horiguchi, yep. Like, and you're not a competent outfighter with your reach and you're kind of gangly. Like, what chance do you really stand? Yeah, because you can't, you can't hit what you can't touch. Yeah. Cannot hit what you can't touch. But I know we can't review the whole card, but just real quick for for the listeners out there, other fights you should definitely watch on this card. Um, Frankie Sanz and Augusto Mendez was a really dope fight. Um, uh, um, Augusto Mendez beat a top 15 fighter in his second USV fight. And, right. And looked good. He looked <laughs> looked, Damn good! Like looked really good. I mean, go ahead. Uh, no, like I can't, like I, we can't really undersell how good he looked because, um, like, like, like we said, like there's a dude who started his UFC career on five days notice, getting knocked out by Cody Garbrandt, and that was after only two years of fighting and right. presumably two and a half years of training and striking, and he went out there and looked like an ex, like, like a Fairly competent striker with real, right. like with power, and that that was a really surprising performance. Yeah, he's gonna be a problem in the in the future. Too bad he's like thirty three years old. Eh, maybe he'll be one of those cases. He'll maybe he's like, he can he maybe can string like, it together real fast. Yeah, he's like Warren. Right, <laughs> he'll he'll string it together real fast. He'll he'll figure it out. But with that power he has, he yeah. Can, he can give anybody problems. Um, the Walt Harris KO. The, mm. Walt Harris is forever going to be my favorite heavy jigglyweight. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. oh, I only consider top 15 fighters heavyweights. Everybody else is a jigglyweight. <laughs> he he looked good though. I, looked, I like I, I like looked, what I saw. I, he looked real good, and he uh, he also he knocked out Cody East. Not this not this card, but last, last time. Yeah. So you know he, he he's forever the number one ranked heavyweight in my book. 
that fight and what other fight do I want to mention? Oh, the uh, oh, I'm gonna butcher this guy's name. Something terrible. Olesi on Olenek. There we go. We'll go with that <laughs> versus Victor uh, Pesta, which ended with an Ezekiel choke, which is something I've never seen before. A Ezekiel um, choke while he was mounted. Right, like to Victor paint the Pesta, visual. Victor Pesta had full mount. Right. And, and was, was dropping bombs and yeah, yeah. I don't uh, like that encapsulates what heavyweight MMA is. <laughs> Just to paint the picture for people who didn't see the fight, it's almost like you know when the the fighter's on the bottom and he's trying to grab just to hold the other guy down to like get a stand up. Just imagine that he did that, but somehow it resulted in a submission. <laughs> like, but the setup was actually really great. Like, it was. It was he, a really good setup. He grabbed her on the head with his right hand, um, snuck the left hand, and snuck the um. God, I have to. I would have to look at it again, but snuck his other arm through, and managed to put so much pressure on his head. He got pressure the tap. Right, yeah. And you could tell he was squeezing, like. Yeah. He was squeezing for dear life, but it, it worked. At the same time, that's equally an indictment on Victor Pesta's skill set. Because that literally that isn't Victor Pesta's entire skill set is takedowns and top control. So, you know, take from that what you will. <laughs> uh, I mean, hey, whatever works. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a good highlight reel to to have. And it's crazy, side note, that Chael Sonnen beat him. <laughs> I'm interested now to look up that fight that was apparently in Bodog. <laughs> I have to see how that fight went. I hope that's on the interweb somewhere um, that I can look up. But yeah, that about rounds it out for a fight night card. Uh, really good prelims. Uh, good main card for the most part. Definitely a card worth checking out if you haven't watched it. And now I want to switch gears to uh, Invicta, which I forgot this card was even happening until <laughs> I think Invicta showed a flyer on my Facebook timeline. <laughs> and anytime I see uh, Megan Anderson's name, I get excited. So I actually... You and apparently a bunch of other people, because she won, what, I think, how many times she fight last year? Like twice or three times? Uh, yeah, not, yeah. And she was voted Invicta FC's most popular fighter by the fans. She fought three times. She was voted the most popular fighter by like a, like she won. She had seventy percent of the vote or something. She's a beast, man. Like, she she is the first legitimate featherweight prospect in a very long time. Right, in a very long time. And the fight against Tweet, I won't lie. The first round had me a bit nervous. I thought her first round was a little bit sloppy. She did get tagged a few times. Mm-hmm. It kind of looked like, I don't know, like she just, the first round was just kind of a slugfest. But she ended up on the wrong end of the stick a few times. Yeah. And that first round, it was like, all right, I don't. It was still, don't it, it was still a round she won comfortably, but she got tagged and she. Right. You know, she got, uh, I want to say rocked, but. She got scared off her game a little bit. Yeah, I was like, if you keep this up, you might end up, <laughs> you might end up losing. Yeah, if you keep doing what you're doing. But man, tell me if, if you've never seen this girl fight, just watch the second round. It was just straight berserk mode. Just, <laughs> just. I, I don't remember if it was the first or second round, but there's one point that she just doubles up on her right hand and it starts off like a th- five punch combo. 
and every single punch lands. Yeah, like she. I think sometimes uh, I think eventually it, it might end up catching up to her because I think she she's willing to give one to take one. Yeah. Or take one to but, give one. But which... uh, it's a, it's important to note that um when she when did she lose to um Cindy Dandora? She's only been at like a I don't want to say a real MMA camp because it's kind of insult to um Australia. September 2015 is basically when she started training at, uh, at an American gym, and that's where like we see is sky- her just skyrocket. And she is a big 145er. When I when she got signed to Invicta, I looked her up for like the card for to see who Cindy Dandois was fighting, and I'm like, oh my god, this woman is six feet tall. Yeah, <laughs> like this and is she, a big and, woman. And, and I watched her fight. And I'm like, oh my god, she's like a competent athlete, right? And which it's is, scary, which is rare. Like, yeah, she's she's not one of those big for nothing. Like she, I mean, the technique isn't. It's not perfect. It's not. It's not all. It's not, it's not all, all there. Yeah, it's not all there. But, but if she catches like, you, like she she's only getting better. Right. She's been fighting for what three years? Yeah, like three years. So three years, and she's eight and two. Yep, and she's only getting better, and as long as they keep her away from Cyborg for a while, she might be able to be here eventually. <laughs> and I was wondering, actually, hold up, real quick, though, before I talk about the call-out she did at the end of the fight, that second round, the way that fight ended... Poor Charmaine Tweet. God damn. My God. That so, was, that was a, a, like, Lawler-McDonald 2 moment, where, like... It was, where she ate... A kick to the face, and, and like you could she just, was ble- she was bleeding before then though, wasn't she? Yeah, but her whole face just opened up, and you could tell like the pain was just too much. Right, and she literally like she got kicked, and Charmaine, God bless her heart, because I don't I don't know how she even withstood that second round punishment, but when she got kicked and she like turned around almost, and it was almost like an I quit it, moment, like it, it, it was an I quit moment. It's, I, yeah, I, it was like I I'm can't done. take anymore. And yeah, it was I almost I felt bad. Like that was <laughs> like we said on the last podcast, that was one of those moments where I was like, why do I watch this sport? Like <laughs> this is savagery right now. But man, yeah, that, that was that was a good showing for, for Anderson. That was a, a great showing. And then uh, after the fight, she proceeds to uh, call out Holly Holm and uh, Jermaine. I'm probably going to butcher her name, too. It's Durandami, right? Yep. Yep. Hypothetically speaking, does she beat, at this point in her career, does she beat either of those two? Uh, if she shoots her takedowns, yes. If she doesn't, no. Uh, I, I, that's my answer. Who does uh, she... well, well, actually, you know what? She might be able to beat Holly Holm on the feet because I don't think Holly Holm has ever been comfortable. Holly Holm's entire boxing skill set doesn't really transfer over to MMA like it did for Ronda but in every other fight it really hasn't so maybe like she maybe in between get, seeing a million sidekicks from home she catches her <laughs> just sends her to the mat but uh, I'd still favor home and Deronda me over unless she shot for takedowns who do you think she has a better chance against um you know I'll say Deronda me cause 
Um, yeah, I'll say Deronda Me. Because uh, I, we're, she, Deronda Me has to be in the UFC, upon uh, in the UFC with a UFC win. And I, I feel like um, uh, that we haven't seen if Deronda Me can stop the takedown. Like, we know home to an extent can. Like, when yeah. she gets taken down, she can't really get back up, but we know she can to an extent. I think with Deronda Me. Like, I like her, but I feel like, like like there's some fights where she looks on, and then there are other fights where it's just like... She got... Like, there's a woman who went three rounds with, um... God, what's the dominatrix's name? Um... Um... Hiroko Yamanaka or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, Hiroko Yamanaka. Like, there's a woman who went three competitive rounds with Hiroko Yamanaka and Yamanaka is the same woman who ran face first into Cyborg's power. <laughs> like, she scraped by a split decision with Ju- uh, Ju- Julie Kedzie. Like, I, like Kedzie's not a bad fighter, but if you're a striker, that's a fight you should win comfortably, you know what I mean? Right. Like, and she's Especially ne- with someone of her pedigree. Yes, and the only fights she has looked comfortable in are against Anna Elmos and Larissa Pachenko. And Pachenko is someone who, besides Irene Aldana, had never fought anyone. And Anna Elmos had three fights and is a 115-pounder. Alright. So, you know. So I will, I, I'll give, um, I'd give her more, I'd give Anderson more of a edge against Deronomy. But that, still, I don't think Deronomy's out, out of the home fight. Like, that's a fight I can see her winning. I also, She's a big one. She's a big 45er, too. Before she went, before the UFC started um, 135, she was like a top. Yeah, she beat Yamanaka. She was the number two, uh, number two or number three featherweight. So, you know it's not totally unfounded that she's fighting for a title. Right. And I mean, and I guess for 145 right now, to, I mean, outside of Invicta, the pickings are slim on... Well, that, it's <laughs> funny you should mention that because the for the unified rankings for um, MMARising.com, Roger mm-hmm. uh, Sargent, I think his name is, mm-hmm. four of the um, top ten featherweights on the planet are in Bellator. Wow, who, uh, even though I might not recognize any of the names, who who they got? Uh, let me just pull these up real quick. But I know Marlos Conan, Julia Budd, who they're fighting for the title in, you know, March. So that, so officially the Bellator featherweight title is the more legitimate title. Just saying. Arlene Blencow from Italy and Gabrielle Holloway from, and Gabrielle Holloway, who, if you've seen her fight, is like five four. She's right. not. Is she shorter than ah? Uh, who's the one chick? Ah, uh, she's in the UFC. She's really, really, really short. She fought um Suhi Dan- Hum. Danielle Taylor. <laughs> Are they like the same size? No, no. Danielle Taylor's uh, like four eleven, five feet. Jesus Christ! But Gabrielle Holloway is five three, fighting in a division where M- M- Megan Anderson fights in. You know what I mean? Oh man, yeah, that's <laughs> that's scary. That's scary. 
Yeah, I always forget that Bellator has, like, women's division because they don't, I feel like I don't see them that much. Well, they try to hide them away. Like, they tried to do Marlos Kunin for, versus Julia Budd in 2015. That was an undercard fight, wasn't it? Yeah, they were going to do on the undercard, and then um, Budd pulled out, and Kunin ended up fighting, what was her name? Alexis Dufresne. 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 She, she got she, upset, didn't she? Yeah, because du, also Dufresne came in, like, six pounds overweight. Oh, yeah. Also, she had a face tattoo, so. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of weird, because you would think with, like, the rise of women's MMA and how popular it's getting, that, like, why would you put, especially Conan, like, that's, that's like, disrespectful. Their, their, like. Reason, their reasoning was crap. Like, it was, um, we want people to tune in for our prelims. I'm like, you can't just put one fight at the end of the prelims and expect people to sit through, you know, two and a half hours of crap. Right. And, and I love Bellator prelims because, well, I used to, but not so much. Like, they used to be human sacrifice hour. Like, <laughs> like you want to talk about savagery. You're talking about, like, freaking, what, like, two guys with, like, z- z- like zero experience. Three, zero experience, like two and three records fighting for $250 in a picture with, um, Brit- what was the girl's name? <laughs> it wasn't Brittany Palmer. It was, um, Bellator. I had to look this up. Yeah, I don't remember the, you talking about the ring girl? Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. Jade Bryce. They're fighting for $250 in a picture with Jay Bryson. That's basically it. Yeah, that's... That's dedication. And, and they were they were some of the most violent fights I've ever seen. I kind of feel like that's the same with uh, with WSOF. Uh, Maybe to a little lesser degree. Like WSOF, I, I, I like Justin Gaethje fights and Marlon Moraes fights, yeah. But also Smith, um, Blagoy even off. But with WSOF, I like I I, I derive no pleasure from watching those cards. You know what I mean? And they're con- like, and they do a good job recruiting talent, but I do, like none of their talent shows up. It's always like this boring drag out fight where like you can tell these guys are half hearted, like they're just trying to get their rounds in. You know what I mean? I was thinking, and it's probably a, a side tangent, but you think those two will like ever merge? Bellator and WSOF. But- yeah, uh, dude. When W W WSOF finally goes out of business, it'll be because some judge is says you know is putting their boss in jail. <laughs> like, I, 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 I think I only I want them to merge because there's certain fighters over there I just want to see fight dude, other people than who they're. But if, if, if you take away um your Ed Ruths and your um Tyrell Fortunes and your Aaron Picos from Bellator's recent like couple years, WSLF has done a better job of collecting like prospects, like a far, a, like above and beyond. And it's not, uh, I'm, that's not even a joke. It's not even close because they get all these like Russian talent that used to go to Bellator because Rebney was there. Yeah, you don't even hear from those dudes. Nope. Now they all fight anymore. at ACB and fight nights. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, I never thought of that So you just brought that up. Because that, like, on Bellator cards, I felt like during, like, their promo commercials, 
that was always a thing. Like, there was some new Russian guy who was just going to come over with a cold face there and he's going to murder everybody. God, I miss Russian voice. <laughs> and that just, yeah, I never thought about that. That's not really a thing anymore. Nope. They, they cut, they cut it there. They cut all their Russian talent, except for, um, Korshkov. And that's only because he had the title. Like they want Vitaly Minikov to stay, I guess, or they just don't want him to go to the UFC. I can't tell which, but like everybody else, they cut. Like they cut Bagoy Ivanov. They cut who's not Russian. I think he's was he Bel- from Belgium or something. What about um? I can't remember if he was Russian. Sarnovsky. They cut Sarnovsky. Now he's in the UFC. I think. Has he fought yet? I don't know if he's fought yet. Does he? Like, uh, I might be confusing my Russians here. No, he he definitely did get cut though. He got cut. I think he did. I think he did get picked up by somebody else, but I can't remember. I, no, I'm confusing him with Smolyakov. Okay. Sarnovsky. I think he's fighting back in Russia. Oh wait. Oh oh. Sorry, Alexander Sarnovsky. Yeah, he's in. Um, they brought him back to fight Held, and now I think he's in M1. Wow. No, he's in um ACB. He's in ACB. Man. Yeah, no Russians in Bellator. Now I'm just now when I watch their next card, that's gonna be what um. <laughs> now I'm just gonna pay attention to that that there are no more Russians. I mean, like not to get all political, but Tito and Chael did support Trump. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we can't be a hundred percent sure on that. We'll see. We'll see. And actually, I guess that's a good uh <laughs> a good segue. So I was actually looking at this card because I real, tried it first. It's actually a good card. Yeah, but to be honest, until you had brought it up to me earlier, I try to forget that this fight is happening. All right, uh, but uh, can we start with like an open letter to Scott Coker? All right, let's let's go. All right, Scott, I'm not gonna tell you to do your job. I'm gonna tell you how to promote. <laughs> but I I, I realized that you know Meryl Streep going up there at the Golden Globes and you know. Insulting your business, it didn't sit right with you. But if you're going to invite somebody in, uh, who is who does not see this sport as cultured, perhaps this wasn't the card. <laughs> I, this is definitely yeah, like everybody in the headlining fights is is uh, is some type of deplorable. Uh, let's go with that. I will, I, I guess, we, we can't run through the whole card, but I'll give a couple of fights on here, uh, a little, little noticeable, because there are some good fights on here, or at least, like, some, some names to look out for. The greatest fight, the greatest fight, the fight that is truest to the essence that is MMA, is TOT's versus Chael Sonnen. Oh, man. I've, I've actually avoided most of the promo for this it, fight. I'm it's, pretty sure it was... It's been horribly cringy. It, it, I, I've loved every second of it. <laughs> so I'm, get, I'm assuming this is, is this going to be at 205? Yes. Okay. I don't I know figured. why. I don't know why they bother. Like, just show up at heavyweight. Like, do, do you care? Like, Right. I, I feel like anybody who's watching doesn't. What do you think the numbers are going to be? <laughs> I, think, I think it will peak over a million, but the average will be about eight. Seven and a half, eight. Sounds about right. Like, yeah, I but get, 
like this is actually really fun card top to bottom like there are um Kat- Paul Daly Brennan Ward oh yeah that uh, Hasaki Kato and Relic Gracie. That's gonna be funny. Uh, uh, Georgie, didn't Georgie? Did he go up a weight class? No, he's at featherweight. He's at featherweight. Uh, uh, him and him and Emmanuel Sanchez. Sanchez, yeah, that's a good one. Campos and Derek Anderson. That's a good one. That's a good. Um, we got in that one. Campos and Anderson. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna go with the Exploded Fighting Series God, Derek Anderson. Explode Fight Series. Greatest promotion on the planet. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think I got Anderson, too. Well, hold up. Campos was the one who flatlined Gallard, right? But who isn't nowadays? I know. I was just trying to remember. I, was, I, I thought it was him, but I wasn't. Who, who didn't? You know who didn't? Justin Gaethje. I'm calling you up, bro. You and Brendan Gertz. <laughs> hold up. Gallard, speaking of Gallard. Doesn't he have another... He is headlining the next Bellator card. Who's he? I saw it, but I can't remember. Who's he fighting? Chidi and Jikawani at 175. Oh, my God. Chidi's look decent. Chidi is a decent, like, lower, mid-tier welterweight. But he is nowhere near as exciting as people try to make him out to be. Oh, yeah. You think... I think he won. You think he wins, though? Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I'll go with Chitty. I think Chitty wins. I, I think. If for, man, and yeah. Gallard, man, like. If for no other reason than every time Gallard tries to take a positive step, like going up in weight year, it seems like he just falls flat on his face. Who else is on this card? This card? Oh, um, on the Kevin un- Casey. I want. Henry Corrales? Yeah. Shinzo Machida? Oh, yeah, he is on here. Yep. But uh, I want to a fight that probably will go overlooked, but with Bellator developing a 125 division for women, and it actually being like that was one of my favorite things about Bellator in 2016. They had solid fights between their women at 125. Rebecca Roof versus Colin Schneider. That's a really good fight. And they've got well, I don't know if this is the order the fights will be in, but they got this all the way at the bottom. Um, Hold on. Where have I seen Rebecca Ruth before? She beat up the girl who was supposed who um, bit Joanna Yanjechek uh, at Super in Super Fight League. Okay, I'm about to see. I know she she does look. She definitely looks familiar. Oh yeah, I think I watched that last Bellator card that she was on. Lena of. Chino, Chino, Chinakova. Yeah, I'm looking at the last name. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> Wasn't even gonna try it. But yeah, that girl bit. No, it was Joanna. It was Joanne Calderwood. That's who it was. In Super Fight League, the other greatest promotion ever made. <laughs> That's a weird fight for Super Fight League. Like, there's no Indians in that fight. Man, oh, oh, that was our London card. Never mind. Oh, okay. No, 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 it was in New Delhi. I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> back to Bellator. Uh, yes, yeah. back to Chael and uh, Tito. So who? No, back to Ruth and Schneider. Who are you having in that fight? <laughs> Hold on. I was trying to pull up Schneider's record, but my internet is failing me. Because I feel like I recognize both of these names, but, like, 
I can't vividly remember the fights, but like I know I've seen them before. Carly okay, Sh- Snyder fought Avenger. Yes, she fought Avenger for the 145 title, or was that Bantamweight? That was, I think it was 145. It was Bantamweight. No, 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 that's Bantamweight. You're right, that was Bantamweight. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Snyder. All right. I'm kind of torn. I really liked what I've seen from Ruth. Like, McFarlane is a surprisingly crafty fighter for someone who who graduated out of Exploded Fight series. So, you know, I'll stick with Snyder for now. Yeah, you know what? I feel like we should just do predictions for this card. Alright. Tito Ortiz versus something will be like Tito Ortiz versus Stefan Bonner. That's my prediction. One day we have to... one day we have to rank all these like Bellator freak show fights. <laughs> like, like nothing will ever top Kimbo versus Dada. Oh my god. Is... It's funny you mention that because you know how like on uh on Facebook when they have the they share your post that you might have posted like a year or two ago. Yeah. That popped up <laughs> on my news feed not too long ago. <laughs> and I, I posted a video. I just recorded the KO, and I just died laughing the whole video. Like, it was... Rest in peace, Kimbo. But, Kevin Ferguson, man, we miss you. We do. You you are... But that, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That fight. That's number one probably all-time freak fight for me. Like... <laughs> I knew it was gonna be bad, but it, even watching it, it was it was better than Sap versus Nog. It, it was amazing. It was. It, it was if Kimbo had if they both hadn't died, because apparently Dada said he died like three times. Yeah, <laughs> he he like a heart attack or something. If if they had both not died, that fight would have been my number one fight of 2016 by far. Oh, and for the record, I have Sonnen over Tito. Yeah, uh, same. Um, Daly and Ward. Uh, Daly. Uh, Daly by Violent KO. Uh, Kato and Greasy. Kato by, you know, murder. Same. Karakanyan and Sanchez. Uh... Yeah, you go first, because I, I don't... Uh, I think I'm going with Sanchez. Like, Even though I think... I think Karakanyan's the better fighter, I guess. Sanchez, like, Sanchez has this weird thing where he can drag, like, a bad fight out of his opponent, and it gets, right. and it gets him, like, split decisions, and right. he almost beat think, Daniel Whitechill that way. Right, that's why I think... And, like, Karakanyan, to me, like, if you look on paper, I feel like if you look at skill set, He's better at, like, everything. Yeah. But Sanchez just has, like, that animal factor that, like, he might just make this a real bloody dogfight and he'll find a way to... He'll, he'll each out a win. So, yeah, I got Sanchez in that one. Yeah, I'll ride that way, too, just because it's going to... If it goes to decision, it's probably going to be split. And, yeah, you know, Sanchez has a tendency of winning those. And I think we both picked Anderson over, uh, over Campos. Yep. And Wait, who is this it, guy is this that a rematch? I feel like there's a rematch. Uh, let me see. Let me no, 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 no. It was um, Campos fought Geertz twice. They haven't fought yet. I was confusing him with um. I don't know. 
Gertz. I want to pick this uh, Machida fight, but I'm like, who? I don't know this guy. He's fighting. I've never heard of this this fellow, uh, Jamar Ocampo. So I guess I'm just gonna have to pick Machida by default. Okay, hold up. Uh, Jamar Campo is two and zero. He came out of Gladiator Challenge. Yep, he has two submissions. Uh, not not much else on this page. Uh, his age is not available. His height is not available. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> so we, we got a mystery fighter. Hello, we have we have we have an outlier on this card. UFC veteran and Derek Lewis victim Jack May. Oh, he's all the way at like the butt. Where's he at? I saw his name earlier. Jack May and Dave Cryer. Um, that's that is some type of last name matchup. <laughs> I'll go with Jack May via he won his last fight, and I don't know who Dave Cryer is. No disrespect to Dave Cryer. I'll I'll go with Jack May because Dave Cryer has and his shirt dog picture has tattoos where his eyebrow should be. <laughs> Kevin Casey's on this card. He's, oh yeah, he got kicked out the UFC. Wait, yeah. he did? Yeah, he's not. But he's but he's Muhammad Ali's son-in-law. Uh, apparently that's not enough to keep you in the good graces of Dana and company. Like they they spent the whole night advertising that he was Muhammad Ali's son-in-law, and then he loses. And I thought. Wait, no, did he win that fight? I don't even remember. There's another guy too who I thought was gonna not be great, but. He didn't stick around as long as I thought he would. His career did not pan out. Hey, Melwood's weird, man. Like, like Kevin Casey went, got bounced from the UFC, went to RFA, stopped three dudes. Like, RFA is supposed to be one of the top prospect like farms in the U.S. And he goes yeah. out there and stops three dudes, comes back, and I think he won his first fight, but it was like juice. And that, yeah, he has a he has a no contest with Bubba Bush that was overturned by uh, the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Then he beat Alcantara. Then he had a no contest because of an eye poke. <laughs> uh-huh. Man, th- yeah, his career is weird. Then he lost in the tall. Then he had a draw with Elvis Muda. Ah, Mutopsic. Mutopsic. Yeah, that guy. And then he got TKO'd by Sam Alvey, which, you know. Happens. When you fight Sam Alvey, yeah, that is that just kind of happens. It happens to the un- best of unfortunately. us, unfortunately, and to Kevin Casey. Yep. Wow, Sam Alvey is fighting Nate Marquardt next. Yep. <clears throat> Someone getting slips, or it's gonna be Marquardt boring. Is, Marquardt is still fighting. Like how is Marquardt just killed his last two opponents? It's 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 just so bizarre to watch. Like he was a guy who I thought a few years ago, like this guy's done. Year before that, I thought he was going to fight GSP because he was a strike force champion, and, and then and he knocked out Tyrone Woodley. And that was a brutal. That was a beating. That was a. That was a god. They got knocked down like three times, stood up, and knocked him out. Oh, I forgot he did beat Tanda McRoy. That fight hurt my heart. Go, go, Barncat, wherever you are in life. I like be, watching it. Well, he's going to be begging Coca for a job soon, sadly. We'll see. And I guess 
Are there any glory fights coming up? Yes. Glory. Thir- I know we're over an hour, but yeah, I want to I want to cover everybody. Glory thirty seven, Los Angeles, January twentieth, this Friday. It is actually a very very good card. Now, see, I've been slipping on watching Glory. I feel like I've been out of the loop for a little bit. Well, I missed their entire last card because they wanted like thirty five dollars for it. Yeah, I missed that too. That was the one with uh, Holskin, right? Um, Holskin and um, Buddy Ahari versus Regal Verhoeven. I went back and watched the... I think I watched the Verhoeven fight, but I didn't go back and watch the Holskin fight. But that was like a split decision, I think, right? Yeah. um, But from every... I I didn't even see that fight, but from everything I heard, um, Cedric Dombe... I I don't know French, so Dombe... He won the. He should have won the. He should have won the cards pretty cleanly. Uh, so who's who's headlining this card? This, uh... Uh, well, for the um, UFC Fight Pass portion, the Super Fight Series is going to be Robin Van Rusmalen defending his featherweight title against Matt Embry. Ooh, and that is a top tier fight. That is, and for anybody listening, if you don't watch Glory, I mean, all right, I can't say too much bad about you because I've been slipping lately too. But get your life together, like especially that fight. Even though I was just introduced to Embry today, <laughs> I'd never seen him fight before. But, but uh, you can't. I can't blame you. He fought mostly in like lion fight, and um, he just made his um. He just made his glory debut in his in in Jersey in September. Oh, like he was not supposed to win that tournament. He comes out and he knocks out both guys. So, and he looked. I think the first thing that stood out to me about him is like when I watch kickboxing, the bo- I don't the boxing tends to be not to be good. Yeah, yeah, the boxing isn't that great, and then you don't really see like not too much head movement, and he has both. <laughs> and, and yeah, it was incredible. And the power, like the the fight that I saw you post earlier when he caught the kick and he just floored the guy. Yeah, Giga Chica, <laughs> Chikadze, whatever. Yeah, just the Georgian. Florida, but uh, Robin, man, that dude's no that dude. I knew when he dropped to forty five that he was gonna be champ. Yeah, like he's a tank at forty five. His days like this, I wish we had the K like K one, the K one t- uh, fighters, because that's where the real featherweight champ is. Kawhi Fairtex, Kai Fairtex, can't pronounce his name, but that uh, Kai versus either one of these guys would be an amazing fight. I wish Glory was more. I can't even just say glory. I feel like kickboxing in general, like, I don't understand how it's not more popular. Because a lot of people I know who watch MMA, you know, when it goes to the ground, it's like, oh, what is what is this? Yeah. I'm like, all right, gl- glory's your perfect, this is your alternative. I think a lot it's, I think a lot of it has to do with um, two things. One is, you know, what's the first thing you think of when you hear kickboxing? You think of, like, CKO and, like, um, you know... Cardio kickboxing, basically. <laughs> I was gonna say John Club and them. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Billy Bo thing, like you know. Yeah. And, you don't tend to. Uh, I guess they don't. It has like a bad, and I feel like I can't remember, but Rogan always mentions this on his podcast too. That like it does have like a, for some reason it has like this bad stigma attached to it. Like people don't, I guess, don't take it as serious as other sports yeah. or other combat sports. Yeah. But. The talent's there, though, man. Like, the glory cards that I do get a chance to watch, 
I'm never, I'm, I'm normally never disappointed. It is a surprisingly deep American card, but I guess they're in LA, so they want to make a good impression. But in the main, the actual main event that will be airing on ESPN2, it will be Jason Wilness coming off his third round TKO win over um, Simon Marcus back in September. No, that's another fight I didn't get to see. That was a great fight. And um, he will be fighting former MMA prospect um, from New Zealand, Israel Ade- uh, Adesanya, Nigerian-born uh, New Zealander. And that's going to be a great fight. Um, I kind of wish oh. Israel stuck with MMA, but he's such a great kickboxer that like, I'm just happy to see him fight. I'm hoping that since this is in L.A., that this will come on at a reasonable time that I can watch. Um, let me check, because I have the poster thing right here. Um, Glory, Friday, live. Yeah, it doesn't say. I have to go look it up. But yeah, I'm pretty sure this will be a a great card. Like I said, if, if you're listening, you you can never watch kickboxing. Please watch Glory. Do yourself a favor. Dude. You're gonna see just awesome striking, great technique. I know you might not know any of the names, but you're gonna get really quality fights every fight. Like. I can't remember many times that I've watched Glory and I've been disappointed. And if you're listening from Tumblr, Matt Embry is a, is on Tumblr. Like, oh yeah, I did find his page. Yeah, thank you for that. So um, and, you know, Moy Maddox, M U A Y dash M A T I C S. So that dude's a beast. Oh oh <laughs> oh oh! Before uh, before we get off the Glory card, um, just one last bit mention. Former. Uh, let me just make sure. Yeah, former Bellator women's 115-pound champion Zoya Frosto will be fighting former UFC um, bantamweight Daniela Graf for a spot in the. Um, oh God, is that for the tournament or is that just for a, a fight? Because wow, I've not heard Frosto's name in quite some time. Uh, her sister fights in. I think her sister still fights for. Um, Invicta, but she has mostly been doing the kickboxing thing. Like she lost to Jocelyn Jones Liebarger, and then now she's doing kickboxing. But they will be fighting on the UFC portion of this card. So cool. And if you're interested in seeing Zola Frasso or Danielle Graf fight, tune in. <laughs> now we're at. Hour oh wait, wait. Oh, oh crap! Uh, no, I confused. Uh, Daniela Graf was someone different from who I thought she was. Oh. <laughs> I, I got her confused for the girl who Sarah McMahon beat way back in her UFC debut. So that's that's this Friday too. Yeah. That's okay. Cool. It's on the go. Yeah, I might I have to check that out because I, yeah, I haven't seen Frosto in in a while. I'm glad she's still actually like active and hey. some. I just lose track of some people. Like I feel like it's so much to keep up with. Some people I just don't. There's one that actually there's one UFC veteran on this card. Oh, we got Guto Inocente. I'm trying to remember who that even is. Uh, he got beat up by Derek Lewis and Anthony oh. Paroche. <laughs> oh, he lost to Paroche. Yep. Oh man. But he's a fairly competent heavyweight kickboxer though. Had a spinning hook kick KO against Demario Dennis. Oh. 
in his glory debut, and he's three and zero, and he's putting together a solid streak. So he'll be on the lookout for right. that. He might end up like a well, might not go that far. I remember when Jacoby went into glory. Dude. I didn't think he was gonna end up doing what he that dude proved me wrong time and time again. Proved everybody wrong. Yeah, like <laughs> he went in and almost immediately just shot to the top. So you you never know. He might. <sighs> But I don't know if that that guy's a heavyweight, right? So that means he would have to go through Verhoeven. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's I I used I used to try to hate on Verhoeven, uh, I'll be I'll be honest. But after like his last I'll probably say two to three performances, I can't anymore. I mean, I know the Badahari fight was kinda bizarre, but like the other fights before that Yeah. Dude, that that dude, man, he's he is legit. He is a talent. Like, and they, that that dude is a freak. In a division that is kind of talentless. He is the only talent, and he is so right. far above, like ninety-eight percent of that division. It's not even funny. Right. Head and shoulders, knees and toes. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, we're coming up on an hour thirty, but real quick before we go, I wanted to do one thing real quick. So, um, the other sports <sighs> podcast I listened to was a uh, Dead in Sports. They also do album reviews, Dead in Hip Hop. They always end there. Uh, shows with this one gotta go thing so you know you name four people or four things that are semi-related one gotta go so I wanted to do one MMA one real quick that I thought of alright so one gotta go George St. Pierre Anderson Silva Fedor Emelianenko Dan Henderson Hendo Hendo? Hendo why does Hendo have to leave? um I think Hendo has the strongest schedule out of all of those guys. But I don't think he has the resume in the win fat in the green column. I'm mad I came up with this idea, but I never picked who I would get out. When I when I came up with it, I when I do when I think of these, I was like, Alright, who can I not get rid of? For me, for bias reasons, I can't get rid of GSP. Yeah. And I can't get rid of Anderson. So it was between Fedor and Henderson. So I'm like, well, all right, they fought. Hendo won. But if I look at their whole careers, it was hard for me because Fedor, I guess you could say, definitely has, I guess, more accomplishments. Yeah. But then I factor in his, his fall. If if you'll say yeah, and that started to weigh on me a little bit, and I almost was like, you know, because Henderson's been around for a while, and while he hasn't, he hasn't hit like the peaks that Fedor has. I also feel like he he's never really like fallen off, fallen off. Yeah, like yeah, he yeah. loses, he loses, but he can still knock you out. Yeah, like there's never a fight where he's in a fight, and I'm like, oh man, he's about to get killed. Like. He always has a chance that a, he might take your head off. I think a large part of that is just that he fought at 205 and um, 185. And while he's undersized for both divisions, he's not comically undersized. You know what I mean? Like, Right. And, you know, as long, uh, eh. But, um, yeah. Uh, I, in terms of I really want to like keep Hendo in there because of his resume of just who has he fought. Like that's the whole reason I was okay with him getting a title shot is because right. uh, if there's gonna be a send off, like let the man try to win the one title he never could. Right. 
Yeah, I think I think I think I gotta take Hendo off, probably. But it was it was close. It was definitely close. I'm gonna try to think of a one guy to go every show. Yeah. I'm gonna try. I wanted to do a heavyweight one, but I couldn't think of four heavyweights who were like as equals yeah, as equally like accomplished as each other. <laughs> so I, it was really hard for me to come up with one. I feel like names were escaping me. I wanna say Cain Velasquez, but I think you can still. I think you still put Kane in there. Uh, you, like if you, if it was Kane, Big Nog, Fedor, and JDS, I guess I'd still have to take out Kane. Like, like I couldn't think, like he beat JDS twice, but I think JDS still has the better resume. You know what I mean? Right. Just because Kane spent a good three years fighting the same two guys. All right, one one more before we leave. Hypothetical. Prime Fedor, Prime Kane. Who wins? Oh, Kane. 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 He, 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 I, I think he murders him. You think? Oh God, yeah. Like, like, I, like I being the all-time great at heavyweight is difficult, especially as we move further and further along, where like the lightweight, the lighter weights are just eating up all the talent in the sport. Right. But in terms of if this guy is on and he's 100%, I take Kane over basically anybody in the sport. Maybe not Jones. But. That's weird you say that. Because when Jones was thinking of moving to heavyweight, I was actually thinking, I love Jones. But I think Kane. I don't know. I, I think Kane. That Kane that I saw versus Travis Brown. I'm not rooting against that guy. Dude. I'm not picking anybody against that. I'm not picking anybody on earth against that guy. When it comes to just overall game, athletic potential, and just ability. Like, Kane is the most violent fighter in MMA history. Like, when when he wants to be, he is the most violent fighter in this sport, like, the sports I've ever seen. It is scary how violent he can be when he gets on top. Yeah. I think if that dude took me down, I'll, I would just tap. Yeah, basically. Just, yeah, just don't even don't even try it. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that'll uh, that'll be the show about an hour and and thirty in. What's the um What's the next card coming up? Next uh like big card coming up for UFC or for just in general? Uh, in general. Uh, UFC. Well, there is the UFC on Fox, and I, I'm not sure how much uh you follow boxing. But um, the UFC on Fox 23 is January 28th, and so is the rematch between Carl Frampton and Leo Santa Cruz. Ah, oh, I need to watch that. Which, I've heard so many good things about that fight. I never, I never went back to watch it. It was the fight of the year. It was the second second best fight of 2016 for boxing. All right, I'll have to check that out. Uh, also, okay, and then we got Fashenko. Oh, I've said her name all wrong. Shevchenko. Shevchenko. And Pena. Oh, man, this is actually a pretty decent card. Actually, since we're talking about the next big cards, I'm going to give a shout-out to Cecilia Breakhouse. Breakhouse, however you say her, you know, Dutch, or she's from Denmark. (laughs) I I can't remember. I have to keep my story straight. Cecilia Breakhouse, the first lady of boxing, greatest female boxer of all time. She defends her title. All her, she's the only unified women's champion of every major organization. She's fighting Clara Svensson, a Swedish boxer in Norway, I want to say. 
on the same day as those cards, January 28th. So, uh, is she fighting on any like major networks or? Uh, no. You're gonna uh, if you want to watch, you're gonna have to find the stream. Okay. All right. We'll we'll try to plug. Uh, plug everybody. I want everybody to get there. They just do. All right. ACB 52 then. <laughs> this Saturday uh, at noon Eastern time. It's on YouTube. There's literally no reason for you not to watch. Unless you work. On the, uh, and uh, then the the Alaska card, is that on right now? It's on right now. Alright. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> I know this won't be on tonight. I mean, it well, won't be uploaded it, to the interwebs it, tonight. This is but... uploaded by January 19th. Come back to America's. Watch a bunch of Latin people fight in Mexico City. Um, all right, this yeah, this definitely will be uploaded by then. All right, so yeah, if it's when you when you guys hear this, uh, just rush to the interwebs. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to watch this Alaska card tonight. I really I'm intrigued. Like I'm I'm excited now. It's gonna so. it's gonna be a disaster. <laughs> it's Midwestern MMA in Alaska. If you can find a link, because the site that I normally go to, it looks like they don't have it. If you can find a link for me, please send it. Please send it. But, uh, yeah, we're about hour 35, so I guess this will be the uh, end of the show. This was episode four. Hopefully we will be back uh, whenever the next card is. Talk about more people getting punched in the face and kicked in the head, all that. All that great stuff. Getting choked out from Mount. Getting choked unconscious and then coming back to choke someone else. That invicted. What fight was that? Must. See, now I'm about to go on. <laughs> oh my tangent. god, we forgot. <laughs> I, I wanted to. Uh, real quick, uh, what were the names? I, I want people to watch. Amy Montenegro fight. versus Sol, uh, Celine Haga. It, it, yeah. it is one of the greatest fights in Invicta's short history. Yeah, and a great grappling and one of the craziest. Finishes. Just the end of the, yeah, craziest finishes, fact, like, ever. Crazy first round finish and crazy last round finish. Last round finish, right. And if you don't know what we're talking about, just go watch cool. it. That's, fight was out of control. But, yeah, this is uh, it for the Dojo Talk podcast. I am Serial Sensei, and, yeah, I'll catch you guys next week, week after, whenever. People are getting punched in the face. I'll be there. And we'll talk about it. And that is it. Catch you guys later. Peace out.